Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, a CME podcast series where each week we translate today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. I'm Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult Series. Be sure to visit primed.com podcast after the discussion for more information about today's article and to claim CME CE credit. Nick A. is a 78-year-old male with history of his first MI at age 63. He has had a second one three years ago that reduced his ejection fraction. His cardiologist placed him on furosemide initially, but recently switched him to torsemide. Nick is a little annoyed. Why did he change my medicine? Hi, this is Frank Domino. Joining me today is Dr. Jill Terrian, Associate Professor and Director of the Nurse Practitioner Program at the University of Massachusetts Medical School, Graduate School of Nursing. Good morning, Jill. Good morning, Frank. I've always been very hesitant about patients uh, on heart failure and messing with their medicines, especially if a cardiologist is involved. Um, I was a little surprised the cardiologist did this too. But now your patient's asking you about it, right? Right. So why don't we talk a little bit about how heart failure is diagnosed? Okay, so we need to remember that heart failure isn't one condition. It, it, it's it's, a, it's a, a finding that results in uh, decreased blood flow to the patient and causing all sorts of, of symptoms. Uh, it comes in both systolic and diastolic heart failure. Uh, systolic heart failure is typically secondary to something that's caused damage to the left ventricle, uh, making it less efficient. So um, heart disease, coronary artery disease is probably the most common. Post-MI is where we see the majority of systolic dysfunction in heart failure. Diastolic dysfunction in heart failure is typically due to poor compliance of the left ventricle. And we see that from chronic, uh, poorly controlled hypertension Um, decreasing the contractility of of the left ventricle. Great. So that that was a great review. So how do we typically manage it in the outpatient setting? Well, um, most patients with heart failure uh, have their primary condition treated. So if they have coronary artery disease, they're typically on a a statin and maybe aspirin and maybe some other platelet medications. If their heart failure is due to hypertension, their high blood pressure medications are there. If it's valvular disease or an arrhythmia like AFib, those things need to be controlled. But first and foremost, you need to deal with the underlying condition. Next, we know that patients, um, all patients with heart failure benefit from certain classes of medication. ACE inhibitors is one of them. Uh, ACE inhibitors have been a, a, a mainstay of treating heart failure for probably the last 30 years. And we have really excellent data that shows having a patient with heart failure on an ACE inhibitor um, provides you with um, improved mortality data, number needed to treat around 25. Beta blockers are also used for both diastolic and systolic uh, dysfunction and heart failure. Um, This is a relatively newer player uh, on the scene with, with a similar outcome. We have really good data that shows um, adding a beta blocker to a patient who's stable in their heart failure decreases mortality. Um, and, and so that, that's been quite common. Um, when patients have the adverse effects of poor uh, outflow through the heart, they'll tend to get dependent edema, congestive heart failure causing um, fluid in the lungs, etc. So diuretics have often been used, and in particular loop diuretics have often been used to help Um, decrease the fluid that can build up in the lungs. So those are the three main classes of drugs. We have in the last 
10 to 12 years, um, added a different type of diuretic, a potassium sparing diuretic, uh, to the combination because there's some pretty good data that shows it improves a variety of outcomes and um, should be used regularly when we're treating it in, as long as the patient can tolerate it. So Nick is really, he's irritated that his cardiologist has done this because he was used to his furosemide. So tell us a little bit about loop diuretics, which are the mainstay of treatment, and how does it differ from torsemide? So um, furosemide, certainly what I was trained on, uh, it, was, it was commonly available, uh, it was probably been generic forever, and it was what I always used with patients. Um, a recent systematic review had me rethink that. It looked at um, outcomes uh, in patients with heart failure and compared those who are on furosemide to those who are on torsemide. And um, torsemide has some pharmacotherapeutic benefits. It's got a higher oral bioavailability and half-life. Therefore, um, theoretically, it should be, uh, you could probably do better with smaller amounts of meds, but that was never really clearly proven. So this systematic review compared nine randomized controlled trials and another 10 observational studies looking at almost 20,000 patients. And when they compared torsemide, it turned out those who were on torsemide had significantly fewer hospitalizations. And, you know, we think about patients with heart failure, this is uh, often a fairly chronic and terminal condition, so decreasing hospitalizations was really good. The number needed to treat was very uh, very favorable as well. Torsemide also improved clinical functional status, and this was a really important finding to me. Patients with heart failure often get very disabled because of their dyspnea and their fluid accumulation, and that just leads to a downward spiral. So improving functional status seemed like a good thing, and sure enough, the torsemide group had uh, improvements in their functional status far greater than those on furosemide. Those are two really great outcomes. Decreased hospitalization, better symptom control, and a improved quality of life is, is wonderful. Interestingly, the torsemide group also had a lower risk of cardiac mortality. And um, that, was, that was very reassuring. Um, what was interesting was that there was no difference between the furosemide and the torsemide in all-cause mortality or rate of side effects. So um, you, patients may not necessarily live longer, but they're going to hopefully live better and, and have fewer hospitalizations. So it seems to me uh, the switch from furosemide to torsemide makes good sense. How would you do that, Frank? What, what is the dosing schedule like, and how does it compare the two drugs? Like anything else, you have to titrate it to the patient, but we have pretty good data that shows a, a typical dose of furosemide of 40 milligrams is equivalent in symptom control to about 20 milligrams of torsemide. So it's about, you need a, a 50% less dose, and I think you can take that up or down as, as you titrate it up or down with patients, and that's orally. Um, so it's, it's pretty easy, um, and being more effective and improving quality of life, I think it's worthwhile. So we have to always think about the cost to our patients as well. So do you know anything about the cost between furosemide and torsemide? Yeah, so this was one of those things that uh, piqued my interest when this paper came out because I've been resistant to switch patients I didn't realize there was a clinical benefit, but I've always thought torsemide was a much more expensive medication. It turns out uh, a 30-day supply of 40 milligrams of furosemide 
is very inexpensive. It's $5. It's the cost of actually pouring pills into the bottle. The, the medication is very, very inexpensive. Torsamide, now that it's generic, is also very inexpensive. Not quite as inexpensive. If you buy it retail, a 30-day supply can run anywhere from $5 to $10. So um, it's not much more expensive if your patient has the latitude to add that extra cost. I think making the switch makes good sense. That is great information, Frank, and something to consider in, in patients. You want them to have a better quality of life, so that is excellent. Thanks, Jill. Practice pointer. In patients with heart failure, torsamide improves functional status and reduces cardiac mortality compared to furosemide. Consider making that switch. Join us next time when we talk about pap smears and bimanual exams in adolescents. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, visit primemed.com slash podcast and see you next week.